Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We've got a whole month to unpack something brand new. I call the theme Musical Chairs. You'll kind of, uh, it'll be a little self-evident as to why, but um, I really, I just really believe it's time for us to drill down in some stuff. Um, God's really been speaking to my heart for the last few months about these things, and I've just really waited, kind of pondered them in my heart and not just give them to you before they're, I don't ever like to give you something half-baked. I like to give it to you fully cooked, Okay. And so that's where we're going today. Everybody say musical chairs. Okay, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2 and also weave in John chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to begin. This is the Word of God coming today. The Word of God, listen, the Bible says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God will endure forever through political systems, through upheavals, through challenges, through pains, through revolutions, through all kinds of things, the word of our God has still remained for thousands of years, millions of years, eons and eons, and it will remain forever and ever. Say amen. amen. First Peter chapter 2, <clears throat> Peter reminds us this, verse 9, but you are, you are, say I am. I am. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, one translation says peculiar, but I'll leave that up to you. <clears throat> His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is very, very powerful. The, the Message Bible in verse 10 says this, God has taken you from nothing to something from rejected to accepted. Love that. Now I want to just call your attention to one thing here that hit me as I was preparing this. And that is that here's Peter the one saying to the church, you are. Remember God has revealed. First time God reveals himself to Moses. God says, and Moses says, what is your name? I, I got to tell him who sent me. He said, I am. Jesus comes on the scene says, who is everybody saying that I am. And they said, well, they think you're this, that, the other. He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus said, yes, and you are Peter. No longer Simon. You're now Peter, a rock with God. And you are going to have a revelation, and revelation will build my church. I will build my church on the rock of revelation. Now, here it is, Peter writes his first epistle, and he says, let me tell you who you are, because I know who I am, because I know who he is. Almost every time you get a fresh glimpse of who God is, he turns it back to you and says, yes, and you are who I called you to be. That'll be really important to you as we talk about this. John chapter 1 is where we are from verse 11, from the message says this, Jesus, he came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, whoever believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. The New King James says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Let's pray one more time. Father, we invite you today in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. As, as Paul the apostle prayed in Ephesians 1, we ask you that you would grant us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation knowledge. That you would open the eyes of our hearts and our understanding to grab a hold of everything you're saying and how you're defining us as we look and see who you are. Show us who you are. And remind us who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, 
Every, everyone says amen, amen, amen. Now, I need you to respond this month because otherwise I'm going to have to just press the elevator button right there and just, anyway, I'm going down. My grandchildren like that joke, but anyway. <clears throat> if you watch any TV at all in your life, you've probably seen the LifeLock commercials about identity theft protection. The statistics are actually pretty shocking. The more we have cyber business online, the more we have cyber crime online. Uh, one graphic, uh, if you want to put that up for me, uh, just shows all these different stats of things and all these different things going on in our world constantly and the horrendous numbers and horrible stories of people almost losing their homes because someone posing as them took their identity, sold their house, sometimes several times over. And it's just a nightmare <clears throat> that people have described the pain of trying to untangle all this stuff. I believe one of the greatest challenges in the body of Christ today relates to the very same thing. Identity crisis or identity theft. The Bible says in John 10, 10 that the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. And if he can rob you of your identity, your life becomes an endless cycle of insecurity, inferiority, and rejection. A nomadic life of wandering from pillar to post in search of something more. This month we're going to talk to you about your true identity. And what I need you to do is respond. When I say, if I say something you like, <clears throat> no, just write it down. Although I want you to write it down. I want you to say amen. I want you to say yes. I want you to say, I'm grabbing that. I want, yes, I see that. When you grab, when you see it, say it, okay? Now I'm going to need to move this a little out. I need to redecorate the, my living room here. It's a little bit too close. Anyway, this month, <clears throat> I'm going <clears> to, <throat> pardon me. My plan is to have these chairs up here on the platform the whole time. I'm going to give you an illustration using these things. Because the word says if you're in Christ, you are a brand new creation. In fact, one, one person developed that thought, <clears throat> pardon me, out of the original um, Greek. It says we're a brand new species of being. Not just, a new, not just a new person, but a completely brand new type of person. A different thing, a different species altogether. That in that new species of being, you're different than anybody who's ever existed before because of Jesus. You have entirely new DNA, spiritually transfused from your heavenly father. You're no longer limited to your own heredity. You're no longer limited. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this now, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but uh, every time something is wrong in our family Anything physical, my mother likes to take the blame on herself or the credit, however you... And oh, oh, they've got my family's feet. Oh, they've got my family's hip. Oh, they've got my... No, no, no. And so I, my part of my prayer is, I love my mother. I love my father. I honor them. I have obviously some genetic predisposition to look like them physically. But everything since I've been born again has been transformed and transfused from the blood of Jesus, not just from the physical blood. My father had prostate cancer in his 50s. I'm 62 and cancer-free and staying cancer-free in the name of Jesus. I'm believing God. Now, I've done natural things to prevent, but I've also done faith things to prevent. It's not just one thing. It's, a, it's an entirely new thing. And so Jesus' perfect sinless blood is now legally flowing within every system, cell, and structure of your spirit, your soul, and even your physical body. The DNA of Jesus, the, the blood of Jesus has been spiritually transfused into you the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Now, the three chairs. This is an illustration that, like I said, the last few months I've been kind of preparing this in my spirit and just seeing what God would do with it. This series is not my original thought. 
But it's the original thought of Leif Hetland, the man of God I accompanied to Cuba. But I'll say this. I don't preach anything to copy somebody else. It has become mine by revelation. This is mine now, okay? I just want to give the man of God that I saw uh, and heard and read some of the things that he's written. I want to give him credit because that's what exploded in my spirit in Cuba. You could say in this illustration that every person in the world is sitting in one of three chairs. You're either sitting in the chair of the world in darkness. This is a torn up chair. This is kind of a beat up ladder back chair. Or you're sitting in a chair where maybe you've, you've crossed over and you've been born again and you've come into uh, a place of salvation. This is the salvation chair. This is the place where you've crossed from death into life. This, you're, you're spiritually dead here. You're spiritually alive here. But here's the problem. We can often get stuck in this chair and become religiously comfortable in our salvation and think it's all about just going to heaven when we die. Now, I want to make sure you understand. I believe in heaven. I believe heaven and hell are literal places, literal dimensions, places where people will spend eternity. And I have a concern to make sure that you go to heaven. But, but I believe that so many people are many times in church, we get focused on heaven and people that are in the here and now, they wonder, well, how does that affect me now? And so when they're born again, they think, well, okay, I punch my ticket and I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm in the salvation chair and that's all there is. But I want you to know there's another chair. There's chair three. There's chair two. But there's also chair one. And chair one is a place of supernatural relationship with God. It's a place where we don't work, we don't work for God, we work from God. It's a place where victory has already been established. It's a place, and we're going to discuss it a little bit more and more. Um, We're all living in chair three by default when we're born. When we're born in this world, we are lost and broken without God. Even if you're raised in a great, great Christian family dedicated to the Lord as a child, I want you to know, the Bible says you have to receive him. As many as receive him, he gives the power to become sons and daughters of God. When you understand that, though, you get a revelation of your sonship or your daughterhood. You get a revelation of that. That's chair three. Okay, so we're going to kind of mix it up. I've got a whole month to unpack this, but I want you to come every week expectant, excited, and really pressing into God. Chair three is the default chair. That's where you're born. That's where you stay unless you know Jesus or until you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. You're in that chair. You're born in that chair. It's the default chair. Yet in that chair, we find that we're looking for the meaning of life. Even in, even in this chair, there's, a, there's this empty space that is God-shaped. It's a God-shaped void. And in this chair, we find ourselves sitting here. And every human being was created with a desire to know God, to experience him in a real way, and looking for meaning and purpose. Looking for meaning and purpose. Well, here's the, here's the thought. You know, one writer said this, and this is really important. One writer points out the very fact that virtually all humans are looking for a purpose and meaning for living is in itself proof that God is real and alive. <clears throat> because, you know, I, I, you know I, I love animals, but I've never seen my son and daughter-in-law's cat, you know, looking for meaning or purpose. Ava is sweet. She's a sweet kitty, but she's never asked an existential question. She's looking for the next meal, the next nap. And that's what Ava does. And that's what animals differ from people because of that fact. Chair three represents the kingdom of the world, its system, its structure, its dominion. That's chair three right there. That's chair three. Inward desires in chair three are almost, almost always completely carnal. You, can, you, have, you have moral thoughts 
You can be a moral person in this chair without God. But that doesn't get you anywhere, and it really doesn't satisfy that inward longing. Even though, why? Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every person was born. If you think that we're born into perfection, as some humanists believe today, that, we're, that children are born, and they're, they're born clean slate, and, and, and they're corrupted along the way. Can I tell you something? Spend time with a three-month-old. And you tell me that they are pure in heart, pure in motive, and unselfish. No. <clears throat> All they care about is <clears throat> feed me, clothe me, change me. That's it. Sorry, burp me is I guess one of them. But anyway. Chair three represents the kingdom of the world. In chair three, you're so self-centered. Your song is I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra. That's your, that's your song. You're led by feelings and emotions, and you live with a giant void in your inner being. In Share 3, every person, even if they don't appear to be, is looking for love, security, value, acceptance, affirmation, significance, and purpose. A lot of the battles you see out there in humanity are, are, are battles of people that are just trying to step on other people to get those feelings. To get those things, thankfully, out of that God-given search, most of us in the room have been introduced to Jesus Christ. And the moment we receive him into our hearts by faith, the Bible says we're born again. We are transferred legally from this chair over to this chair. This is chair two. This is the chair. It's, it's, very, it's very straight. It's very upright. It's, it's comfortable. It's so comfortable you could sit here for a while. And maybe I will. I got to tell you a funny story. Can I tell you a funny story? The other day, my wife and I were hanging out with Pastor Lindsay. And, uh, <clears throat> and we heard this song. That was a, it was an old song. It was, an, it was a remake now. Uh, currently of an old song from our day when my wife and I used to go dancing in discos. Uh, it, it's a remake of, the, of the, so, the, the song by the emotions, The Best of My Love. Some of you have heard the song. And, and so I, I heard it playing and then I heard this different lyric and some rap. And, and, I, and I said to P.L., what is that? He told me the song. And so we're driving down the road. So I spoke to Siri and I said, and so once he told me the title, I said, Siri, play Little Boo Thing. By, and Pastor Lindsay said, DR. He calls me Dr. Rich. He calls me DR. He said, DR, that is the whitest thing you have ever said in the 33 years I've known you. I said, isn't that what you said? He said, it's little, he said no, it's Little Boo Thing. I said, isn't that what I said? He said, no. You said little boo thing. I said, he said it's little boo thing. Anyway, I just, I just had to laugh. I just, anyway, I apologize if I offended and stepped on anyone's toes. By the way, it's a very catchy song. But it was done 40-something years ago. I don't even know the guy's name. Did I say it better now? Is that okay? okay. I don't know. I want to tell you that story. But anyway. I've been, thinking, I've been laughing about it all weekend. Listen, we're transferred when we're born again from chair three to chair two. We become Christians, but we're still working out all that means to our daily lives. And so we're born again to a living hope, the Bible says. We're born again. But in chair two, I submit to you, we're trying so hard to believe the right way in order to behave the right way, in order to feel like we belong in the right way. And that's backwards from what God has called us to and the way to live. Let me say it again. We're trying hard to believe, trying to believe, in order to behave, in order to belong. And that only lasts for so long. When you're first born again, you're satisfied with that and you're excited. You know, I, I, but let me say it to you, 
Christian bumper stickers identifying you on your car doesn't mean you're a strong Christian. Some people have this idea, back in the day especially, oh, I got born again. I got my honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. I got my dove, on the, I got my dove license plate to show I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not what this is about. In chair two, there's still a lot of striving and self-focus going on in chair two. It's still rooted in fear because you don't really understand the fullness yet of the love of God. Which is why as Paul the, Paul the Apostle develops the thought in Ephesians 1 and goes to Ephesians 3, he said, I'm wanting you to know and experience the, the whole height and depth and breadth and, and width of the love of God in Christ. And as you do that, the God of exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think becomes real in your life and you're transferred again. I want you to know for many of you, most of you, all of you, all of us, there is still more about God that you haven't experienced than what you have. There's still more of his word that you don't understand than what you do. And the problem is if we sit here in chair two, we become religiously stifled. We become limited in our view and our vision. And this month we're going to describe, I'm going to give you a contrast all month long of the way we used to see, the way we used to see, but the way we can see and the way you can see now. is It's an entirely different perspective in these different chairs. And so this is why some of your family members are stuck and you're, so, you're praying for them, but they're stuck in a different place, in a different, a different seat, different chair in their lives, and they don't understand that. In chair two, you're still basically focused on religious responsibilities. You're born again. You know you're loved and you know you're going to heaven when you die and you can be confident in that and that's awesome. But that's not all there is. In chair two, you can get so religiously... That, that's where we frankly get critical of everybody else. Because I'm in chair two now. I'm in chair two, and so I'm born again, and now why is everybody acting? Why, is there, why, why doesn't everybody else have victory? Why doesn't everybody else do it? And while you're doing that, it's all, it's all coming back at you. The judgment, judge not lest you be judged, is, listen, you're still looking at everybody else's behavior as a, as a whole example of where they are or where they aren't. So grateful for the saving grace of Jesus in chair two that you want to please him with all your heart. It's a pure motive. I, I'm, not, I'm not questioning anybody's motives in chair two. I'm just saying, you can almost get a works righteousness mindset. Yes, I'm saved. He saved me from my sin. I was stuck here and I'm so grateful. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now I'm, I'm no longer lost. Now I'm found. I'm blind. I was blind, but now I see. I'm in this chair. And so you're so grateful for that. But you sit here. And you don't pursue God any longer because you think, I got it. I got it. One of the Baptist uh, bumper sticker campaigns years ago was called, I found it. I found it. Everybody had a, I found it bumper sticker that was saved in, the, in a Baptist kind of move in the 70s or 80s. And that's great. But when you found it, that doesn't mean you found everything and you, and you know everything or you've experienced everything. And I'm talking, listen, I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but not only the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because there are people in this, there are people in this chair that have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you still sit in your, okay, now I can do these things. I have the gifts of the Spirit in my life. That's great. There's a different freedom over here. Here you're, you're using the gifts of the Holy Spirit to still kind of, let me showcase that God loves me. Let me showcase that God is on me, that God is with me by activating. Over here, there's a flow. Chair three has a flow of the Holy Spirit. Chair two has initial discoveries. And like a kid playing with new toys, you can get that. But I'm just telling you, there's more, there's more, there's more. There's so many things. In chair two, we often strive to be good enough to feel worthy of God's love and favor rather than take it by faith in what Jesus has already done. In chair two, most Christians were, were, were still out of order. 
We're still in our own identities as part of God's actual family. We're, we're, we're kind of out of order in that identity. We're, we're kind of like, well, yes, I, I feel like a child of God when I come to church. I feel like a child of God when I leave church. But I don't know how I feel about everything on Monday morning when I have to go to work. Don't, I don't feel saved 7 a.m. on a Monday morning. I don't know about you. But it's not about that. It's not about feelings. It's about promises. You are a son or a daughter of God. In chair two, our mindset is still, if I can do enough good things, I can have more stuff so I can be or feel important, successful, and loved. Let me say that again. In chair two, our mindset is, if I can do enough good things, see, we know we were saved from our, from our sin, but now that we're saved from our sin, well, what about our sin now? What about when you mess up tomorrow? See, now we think we got to do something to make up for that, and we certainly have to repent. Don't misunderstand me. Repentance is real. Repentance is true. But let me say this to you. You don't have to, you can't work out your stuff in chair two just because you're saved doesn't mean grace doesn't work for you. Grace still works in chair two. Grace is still working to get you into the fullness of what God wants you to do. Are you awake today? Chair number one. to, To get to chair number one, you can't. You can't be good enough to get to chair one. You can't strive to get to chair one. You can't fight to get to chair one. Here's what you do for chair one. You receive revelation of God's love and adoption. You you receive that new identity understanding. It, It travels from your head to your heart. You begin to understand. You lean into it. You relate to it. And you envision what the word actually promises you. Ephesians 1 again. Ephesians 1 verse 3. This is Paul the apostle reminding us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Say that with me, that part. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Here's the deal. We get, to the, we get to the place where we still feel lacking over here. Why? Because there's always a pull. There's always a pull. Go back to chair three. There's always a pull. There's a subtle pull back here. Get back under the world system. Get back under the world's dominion. Get back under the world's way of thinking. Get back in the way you came up before. Get back. Well, it was good enough for you when you were a teenager. Just raise your kids like you were raised. Let me tell you something. It's a whole different thing than it was when you were a teenager. Most of you in here. Most of you, you know, it's a whole different, it's a whole different world now, okay? There's a pull. Chair three, there's a draw. When you get to chair two, there's a drawing from the Holy Spirit. There's a drawing from the Holy Spirit. I love this. I read a scripture. I I put on my notes, I I, I guess it's for right now, and I didn't know it. In my devotions, as we go back to, I read through the Bible every year uh, with Nicky Gumbel. And um, it says when Jesus was about to give the Sermon on the Mount, it says, and he, when the people gathered around him, he climbed up higher and took his followers up higher with him. There's a draw to come higher. There's a draw to come higher. Are we getting distracted? People are getting distracted. There's something going on. Oh, I think it's the baby. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Is everybody getting distracted by the baby? Okay. Are you okay, baby? Okay. Give me an amen right there. There you go. Anyway. There, here's the deal. When you're, when you're in this place in Christ, there's always going to be a drawing by the Holy Spirit to come up higher to come up into this chair. But there's also going to be a pull back from the world trying to get you back. If you, when you come in here, this is a habitation chair, not a visitation chair. But something happens in your life. You can easily be pulled right back to chair two because the enemy is always trying to get you back to chair three. 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's in, he, old things have passed away. So listen, let me read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, already did it, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. In chair two, we read that be holy as, oh boy, I better be, I better be, be on my best behavior. Let me say it again. Keep that up for a second. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. Chair two thinking, you go, whoo, boy, I don't, don't feel very holy. Boy, I stubbed my toe and said a bad word. Boy, I, I, don't, feel, I don't feel like forgiving right now. Chair two, he didn't say behave holy. He said be. Be is identity. B is empowerment. B is the promise of God. Be holy in one translation, one place that says, be holy as I am holy. Be holy as I am holy is, is an empowerment. We can't, you're never gonna be, you're never gonna be as pure as God. You're never gonna be as sinless as Jesus on this side of heaven, right? So we get this complex because we're, we're, we're feeling pressure to perform things, but we get it all backwards. In chair two thinking, we interpret this be holy as do holy religious things. No. Think about it. Tithing. You get born again and you come into chair two from chair three. Born again. And someone says, you know, you have to tithe. Tithe. What's that? It's giving God the first 10% of all your increase, all your income. Ooh. Well, I didn't have to do that in chair three. Maybe, maybe, maybe chair, chair three is better. No, no. God is getting a hold of you, and tithing makes no sense over here when you're first learning it, when you first hear it. And so you, you get the impression, I have to do this. When you get to chair, chair one, you realize, I get to do this. This is me participating with God in his economy and I don't have to worry about finances the way I used to because I'm no longer there. He is my provider and source. He is my king. He's my Lord. And he didn't ask for 120%. He asked for 10. And then whatever I sow to him above that 10th becomes a seed that produces a harvest comes back to me anyway. See, tithing is different. Prayer, prayer. As we go into our eight days of prayer starting tonight at six o'clock, it's important you realize our prayer, our prayer life is totally affected by these three chairs. Over here, you think prayer is some kind of, um, some kind of foreign language that you don't understand. In this chair, chair two, you get to the place where you think that, that prayer is, I, I have to pray. I have to pray. I have to spend time with God. I have to do this. I have to have devotions. I have to read the word. I have to go to church. That's not the right way to look at it. You don't have to get God's love by drumming up. You don't have to pray to get God to love you. He already said he chose you in him before the foundations of the world. As you grasp the reality of what chair three means, you realize the right order, listen, is I am who God my Father says I am. Because I'm in Christ, it's 100% because of Jesus, not me. I am who God my Father says I am. Therefore, I already have his blessing. See, a lot of us in chair two, we're looking, bless me, Father, bless me, Father, bless me, God. I need your blessing, God. God, bless me. Over here, I'm saying, God, thank you. I know I'm blessed, even though this situation happens here. I know I'm blessed, so I know I'm confident, and I receive all that Jesus came to do to empower me in his blessing. I am who God, my Father says I am, therefore I have his blessing. I, have, I am Therefore, I have, he's even, I will say this to you. Most of you don't even know how to get this. He's even, God is proud of you. You say, he's proud of me. Why? I haven't done anything lately. It's not about that. <laughs> One of the earliest lessons that I learned, this is crazy. When I first started going to the nations, I went up in Trinidad and Tobago a few times in the early 90s. So one time I'd, 
I, I, I let another pastor, I watched over his church for a week while he went to a conference up in New Jersey. And so, and I, and I worked my butt off and Trinidad and Tobago is hot as Hades. It is, it is crazy hot. And so I was down there in June. It was hot. I almost passed out preaching down there so much. And uh, at the end of the time, they said, now he's, uh, the pastor wants you to go uh, to Tobago. And you're going to minister to a little congregation there. And then uh, you're going to have a couple of days off. I said, well, that's nice. So I went over there. Uh, he was trying to start a church. It was about eight people at the church where I went to. And I preached like it was 8,000. And the next day we went out. And we went out and they took us out on this boat off of the coast of Tobago to this this a little, a little uh, shallow area in the middle of the ocean right there called the Nylon Pool. And you get out of the boat and you can walk around on this sandbar that's made out of the softest sand you ever felt. And we're going through that. They took us water skiing and we're, we're in a fast boat. And while I'm sitting there, the Spirit of God comes on me on my day off and the Lord says, thank you. Thank you for serving me. And I was like, I thought, I was kind of blown away. What do you mean, thank you for serving? I'm a slave to you, Lord. I'm a servant. And the Lord revealed, no, you're primarily a son. Thank you for the price you're doing this. I'm proud of you. Most of you, would question that if you first heard it, but I'm telling you, when God comes to say how much he loves you and how proud he is of you, some of you didn't hear it enough from your own parents. And we are born for affirmation and acceptance, right? You are who God says you are. Listen to this. I'm gonna say it again. As you grasp that fact in chair three, the real, you realize the right order is, I am who God my Father says I am because of Jesus. Therefore, I already have his blessing, his endorsement, his acceptance. He's even proud of me. And he chose me to be his kid anyway, even though he knew my sins, my weaknesses, and my failures of my whole life. And yet before the foundation of the world, he chose me. He chose you. Lord, help me. I can't, I can't communicate any better. He already knew all the mess. He already knew all the failure. He already knew all the sin. He already knew all the bad habits. He already knew all the stupid things we would do. And yet he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and acceptable because of Christ. That's chair three thinking. Chair one, excuse me. Chair one thinking. This is the main seat. This is where we get it. This is where we grab a hold of it. This is where we're changed in his presence. Because now out of that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The anointed one and his anointing who strengthens me. I can do. So I am, I'm here and I'm looking. Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. God says, I already have, but you don't see it yet. If you'll experience me and walk with me, I'm going to show you. And now I am who God says I am. Therefore, I already have what he says I have. Therefore, I can now do all things that he says I can do. And we get the do, be, have in the right, in the right order. Are you getting this today? I'm not trying to go so deep it goes over your head if you're a new believer. I'm just trying, just bear with me. We're going to unpack it this whole month, but this is so crucial. It's not do, have, be. It's be, have, do. It's when I realize who I am. I don't have the identity crisis. I'm not trying to fight to get stuff I already have. I'm just learning to receive it. I'm learning to get out of his way and say, thank you, Father, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I have what you said I have. I'm almost done. When, when, when the word says, when, when on, at Jesus' baptism, the heavens open, Jesus is baptized to fulfill our righteousness, not because of sin. He's baptized to fulfill the Old Testament. <clears throat> God the Father 
The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. The Father speaks from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased at the beginning. Before he had done any miracles. Before he had walked on water. Before he had healed the sick. Before he had gone to the cross. Before he would sweat great drops of blood. Before his ministry time had happened. God said at the beginning... This is my son in whom I'm proud. I'm a proud dad today. I'm a proud papa today. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he hadn't done anything yet because it's identity first. Are you getting it? Somebody getting the light bulbs yet? That's why. The first thing that happens when Jesus goes into the wilderness out of that is the devil comes and says, what? If you're the son of God, then do some miracles to perform. Do some works to show me. And Jesus says, no. No. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We live in this chair by the words that God speaks from his word. The attack in the wilderness was over Jesus' identity. And that's where you're attacked as well, and so am I. Instead of just being focused on trying to get to heaven in chair two, we get to focus on bringing heaven to earth every place we go, connecting others to God. I do want to warn you, there's no room for complacency in chair one. It's filled with adventure. It's filled with walking with God and finding the next thing and the next thing and the next person and the next person. The next thing God wants to do in you, for you, through you. Every place you go. And there will always be a pull to go back to chair two or chair three. That's why I call it musical chairs. Musical chairs is about the rhythm of life. You keep dancing to the beat of the wrong drummer in chair three. You keep dancing to the wrong beat. But you get over here, and it's just a little religious beat with a pipe organ. (laughs) And you're ready to kind of sit here in chair two. God has chair one for you. Chair one for you. Finally this. You learn here, his yokes are easy. His burden is light. His harnesses, his limitations, his yokes are easy. His burden is light. Are you worn out today? Here we are starting a brand new year. You're excited about a brand new year, but are you already tired? Matthew eleven twenty eight from the message, Jesus said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, listen, the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything on you, heavy or ill-fitting. Now, this is the way to come to church. (laughs) New chairs for everyone. No, no. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Hang out with God. And you'll learn to live lightly or freely and lightly. This is chair one living. And this is available for every believer. The Bible says that the works of what you're born to accomplish in your life were finished before the foundations of the world. And you and I just have to enter into it. We just have to do the next thing that God says. Don't let the enemy steal your true identity for one more second. Let me remind you. If you're a true Christ follower, you're no longer in chair three. Why? Because you are, not will be, a chosen generation. You're worried about the end times. You're worried about all this stuff going on in the world. He chose you for this generation. He equipped you for everything you're going to have to do now. Well, my grandfather could have never made it through this. Well, that's why he's gone. You're here in this generation. 
Can't worry about great-great-grandpa, great-great-grandma. We love them. They prayed for you, but they prayed you'd have the equipment from God for your generation. You are a chosen generation, a kingdom of anointed and empowered priests, mediators, or ambassadors of God. His own special people, sons and daughters that he loves from nothing to something, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted to sonship, from darkness to light, where you see yourself as a servant and a, and a slave of God. Paul talks about that sometimes. But you see that you're a son or daughter of God. You're his favorite. You're his favorite child. And I am too. From rejected to accepted and given complete access to his presence and attention. When we pray this week, we're not going to pray from chair two. Definitely not going to pray from chair one. Chair three. We're praying our in, in Jesus' name. We're praying his promises. We're praying his declarations. We're praying what's possible with him, not what's possible with us. This ain't about religion, my friend. This is about a relationship. In this chair, I don't, listen, my prayer life for many, many years has been transformed the last few months because, listen, there's still a time where I'll get on my knees and seek God. But that was my normal kind of prayer life for many, many decades. A few months ago, the light went on. I'm a child of, I'm a son of God. I have hurt my knees praying on them so much because I felt like a slave. But I'm a child of God. I get to pray. My prayer life now is sitting in a chair and saying, Father, what do you want to do today? Jesus, what do you want to talk about? Holy Spirit, I need your help. Everything that you call me to do. I need your help from finding my keys to finding keys of salvation for people that are broken and lost. Can't do anything without him. But I can do all things through Christ in chair one. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, I ask you to get us out of the musical chairs of trying to find a seat. Help us, Holy Spirit. To come into complete access to your presence and your attention. The Holy Spirit is here to invite you to move up a chair today. If you're here today and you're living uh, a struggling life of sin, broken and lost, it's not enough to believe in God in your head. You have to be born again. You have to receive him in your heart. To as many as received him, he gave the power to become sons and daughters of God. If you're here and you're not born again and have had a defining moment where you accepted and surrendered the keys of your life, the authority of your life to God, you're still in chair three. Move up a chair today by saying, Jesus, come into my life and change me. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. Lord, reveal yourself. Transform. Take us to that next step. In Jesus' name. Now, many of you, you're born again. Many of you maybe have even flirted with chair one. Maybe you visited chair one. But you don't live there. This is not time to strive. This is time to receive. Jesus paid the entire price for everything that God has promised Jesus is now given to you through Jesus. Forgiveness, love, mercy, compassion, provision, abundant life, satisfaction, joy, peace. Everything you used to struggle for, 
Today I'm asking you to repent of chair two living. To say, God, I'm tired of struggling doing it myself. I'm tired of doing it myself. I want to get to chair one. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up in the air right now. I want to pray for you right now. Don't strive for your miracle. Receive your miracle. He loves you. He can't love you any more than he loves you right now. Father, for every person whose hand is raised, either in the room or at home right now, wherever they are in a hotel room, wherever they are right now, I ask you, Lord, to bring us. Every person responded to my voice right now. I pray in Jesus' name that you would come up to that next chair, the chair of freedom, the chair of liberty in Christ, the chair of abundant life, the chair of all the blessings he's promised you because of Jesus' works, because of Jesus' finished works on the cross. Lord, I ask you to turn the light bulb on and empower each and every person with their hands raised and their hearts open that says, I want more. I want more. I want everything God has. If, you're, if that's you, put both hands in the air and say, I want everything God has. Just say that. I want everything God has. I want everything God has. I want everything God has. I was hoping that'd be everybody in the room. But that's your choice, not mine. You are a chosen generation. Be blessed and be empowered be strengthened in Jesus' name. His presence is here right now. And you don't have to strive for it. Just close your eyes and take a deep breath. It's as simple as breathing. Remember I told you a few months ago, God's name Yahweh is interesting because it's the first thing you do when you breathe. (sighs) Yahweh. Just taking a breath. You say his name. Praise God. Be filled today. Be filled today. Lord, we're on an adventure this month. Show us and take us forward. In Jesus' name, amen. You receive that today? All right, praise God. I I receive it too. I'm still getting the light bulbs. Listen, every every new year marks a new beginning. As I said earlier, it's a clean slate. What will you do with your chair one freedom in Christ as you begin 2024? Will you simply appropriate and receive all the rights, benefits, and privileges of sonship and daughterhood by faith and become a kingdom builder because you get to? Or will you keep doing stuff because you have to? There's a whole difference just in the motivation. Listen, the Bible says the word of God is living and it discerns the motives of your heart. The reason why we do stuff is the issue between this and this. Here we do it because we feel we have to and we want to get God to love us. Or we want to feel he loves us. Over here we know we're loved. And out of that, we want to do everything to please him and just honor him. Because we can't believe it. Amen. Are you getting this? Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.